USC started the season 6-0. and Now the fun starts. Are you ready? You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I am your host, Mark Culkin, and thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every day. Whether you are watching on YouTube or wherever you download your podcast, I'm here to remind you we are free, and I want to thank you so much for coming along for the ride. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you are watching on YouTube, do me a favor. Hit that red subscribe button. It means a whole lot, more than you know, and I want to say thank you for the ones who have already. It means a lot. And uh, also, again, you don't want to watch my face. You just want to hear the voice, get the news. Wherever you download your podcast, Spotify, Google, Apple, whatever, we're free. And um, you can always follow me on Twitter at Mark Culkin, M-A-R-C-K-U-L-K-I-N. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't. If you got any questions, throw it at me. I will answer them. We'll do a, we'll do a segment on one of these episodes. So. Let's make it happen. Okay. So the Trojans are 6-0 for the first time since 2006. Doesn't time fly when we're having fun, right? Um, and I'm, I'm using finger quotes and around the word fun for a reason here. Lincoln Riley, um, he, he spoke to the press after Tuesday's practice. And he had this to say. It's, it's been a challenging, it'll be a challenging second half. Uh, of the season, but this is when it gets to be the most fun. This is just what you do it for. Like you put yourself in a great position. Now it's time to go accelerate and be our best, end quote. All right, so I'm going to pose this question. Considering how USC won just four games last year and how everything unfolded, and assuming that uh, number seven USC is able to go into Salt Lake City and upset number 20 Utah. And I say upset because they are the youths are favored to win by three and a half points. That would mean USC improved to seven and oh. Okay. Uh, here's the question Would uh, a 10 and two finish to the season, um, would, would that still be fun? Or, or would that just be acceptable? Let's look at the remaining uh, schedule after Utah. Again, assuming USC wins, they're 7-0. You then have your bye week, and then they go to travel at Arizona and Tucson. Uh, they have two home games versus Cal and Colorado. They then have a semi-row game at UCLA, and they will finish at home against Notre Dame. So heading into the season, everyone considered 10-2, and two probably be the benchmark, what to be the ultimate goal to shoot for. But with the caveat being that one of those two losses is going to come on the road at Utah. Well, again, USC is coming home 7-0. and And you look at that schedule and you're thinking, all right, where are the two losses going to come from? If the two losses are coming to UCLA and Notre Dame, is that still fun? Let me know. Give me your feedback on that question. I want to hear your reactions to it. Uh, Lincoln Riley looks at it this way. 
there'll be several 6-0 teams that some will finish really well, some that will finish okay, and some that don't finish very good. So it's great, but it's just a start. It's not a guarantee or anything. Uh, WeRSC.com's Scott Schrader asked Lincoln Riley what it would take to add six more wins to the schedule. And Riley answered quite wire Riley. Get it? Riley? Riley? Different spellings? Anyways, um, quote, just six. No matter cause. And then he was like, calm down, calm down. You know, we don't want to go there. Uh, and he was, you know, he was being facetious. Look, he said, quote, we've got to get better. The target moves. What's good, what was good enough in week one, that's, you know, that's not good enough in week three, and which which is not good enough in week seven, which is not good enough in week nine. Other opponents that you play, you've got to expect their best and expect that they're going to get better and, uh, as the season goes on. So um, that, that's how Lincoln Riley's looking at it. And again, it goes back to, my question that I pose. Look at that remaining left, what's left on their schedule. Okay, all this is based on USC being 7-0 and how much fun USC can continue to have. Uh, I guess it was after practice, there was, as far as Lincoln Riley was concerned, uh, talking to him, there was really only one, I guess we'll call it a controversial moment, or was he sending a message? So uh, redshirt senior Bobby Haskins Saturday's game against Washington State, he missed a few plays. And the first person in to replace him was uh, Mason Murphy. And, you know, I, Lincoln talked about why he did that when he was asked. And he said, uh, it just felt like it was the right decision at that point. We've got some we've got some guys that have been practicing well. And we've got some tough decisions to make there. We felt like it was in the right, in that situation, the right time to give Mason a shot. Okay. Well, again, just to kind of put everything in the context here, Lincoln Riley has started two left tackles throughout the year, Cortland Ford and Bobby Haskins. Both have been dinged up. Cortland Ford had a you know high ankle sprain. Uh, he missed all of the Arizona State game. According to sources, he was healthy enough and ready to go this past week against Washington State, and he is now 100% ready to go uh, when they head up to Utah this weekend. So, again, you know, is Lincoln sending the message, or has he chosen, you know, his uh, starting left tackle? And now he's deciding who the second string backup is. You go, you can go uh, watch his answer. Uh, we've got the video over there at wrc.com. You can check it out for yourself. Again, give me your feedback. Tell me what you think. We talked to some of the players after practice also. Uh, we spoke with a veteran center, uh, Brett Nyland, and he talked about the Utah defensive line. And he said, you know, they're very talented up front. They always are. They always have a talented front seven. They play hard. They're physical, big, and disciplined. They're going to throw a lot of good moves. It's going to be a physical fight in the box. They obviously have a lot of talent. We're not there to uh, have a back and forth with the players, but I'm going to say this, um, not that I disagree with Brett per se, but I watched their game, or at least portions of their game against UCLA last year, and 
This is not your typical Utah defense that you're probably familiar with. Uh, there's no Devin Lloyd. Uh, he's off to the NFL, and they're they're missing quite a few pieces from that from that defense that that graduated or moved on. Uh, and UCLA made that Utah's defense look pedestrian. Let me put it this way: If I told you that Utah's offense put up almost 500 yards worth of offense and 24 points, and they've dominated UCLA recently over the years, uh, even on the road, you would think that they won the game. Well. UCLA's offense put up close to 600 yards of offense on Utah's defense and 42 points. And during Thompson Robinson, UCLA's quarterback, he looked like a Heisman winner. I mean, UCLA's wide receivers were running wide open. I mean, I could you, you couldn't even see a defender on the TV at some times. And I'm talking about over the middle, down the seam, sideline deep routes. It was it was weird seeing Utah defense getting abused like that. And I'm not just talking on the ground. I'm talking about through the air. You'll understand why here in a moment. Um, now, because I'm going to go over that in, in coming up here. Heading into practice, uh, I saw Brett, and he had this really big, huge uh, Trustashire cat smile. Uh, but, you know, the cat from Alice in Wonderland. And I remember in college when I had that smile the morning uh, after I uh, – uh, I digress. Anyways, not saying anything, just saying that Brett was really happy this morning. And let me connect the dots here. I, I think he knew um, he was going to be interviewed after practice. There was a couple of young ladies there who uh, had two, two questions uh, for Brett, and he was ready because he had his answers um, ready to go. First question was, if if you were to, uh, if they were making a movie and you had to cast the role of Brett Nylon, who would you, who from Hollywood would you have playing the role of Brett? And he immediately said Leo DiCaprio because they look alike, right? Um, Follow-up question from the other young lady was, who would you pick to play your love interest in the movie? And that same smile reappeared and he immediately said, Margot Robbie. So I would have that same smile as well if I was thinking of Margot Robbie as a love interest. But that those were Brett's answers. And again, you can go check out uh, his full interview. We have that up over there at wrc.com. Uh, we also spoke with Raylan Goforth. He was the last man standing at practice uh, after we spoke with Lincoln Riley and all the other interviews with the players. Uh, it seemed like we were ready to leave, and there's – Ray, uh, Raylan coming across the practice field and he's got his shoulder pads in one hand, helmet in the other, but he's ready to answer some questions. Um, I'll just tell, let you know right here that uh, he was asked about Cameron Rising and I'll get to that in a, shortly, but I want to let you know what he said about um, his brother, uh, Randall Goforth, who played at UCLA, his older brother, and USC and UCLA are still undefeated. So he was asked if he's uh, if he's been getting any uh, text or had any conversations with his older brother since uh, UCLA just beat Utah. USC is heading to Utah, and as I mentioned, they're both still undefeated. He says, "Yeah, you know, I mean, get some text, yada yada yada." I'm just not really acknowledging them right now. Staying focused. So he will get linked in with his uh, brother. As that game gets closer, he's focused on Utah. 
But what you guys need to do is head on over to uh, LinkedIn. Yeah, you need to head on over to uh, LinkedIn.com for uh, because these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. We're all about that. When you're over there, you're going to you're going to add your job and the purple uh, hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. They have simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. <clears throat> Almost got to get that up there. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. It's really easy to use. I went over there. I updated my profile. You should too. And immediately uh, I get these email updates saying, hey, someone's checked out your profile recently. Uh, it's interesting. Sometimes you reconnect with people you haven't you haven't seen or spoken to in quite a while. So when you're over there, uh, LinkedIn Jobs will help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com/lockedoncollege. That's one word, locked on college. That's LinkedIn.com/locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Okay. Uh, I got to see Tuesday's practice. You're probably watching listening to this Wednesday morning because you always make Locked On to see your first listen and you get us five days a week. When we walk into practice, the, media, the first thing we see is uh, special teams. You've got the punt return guys right in front and uh, a few yards away on the uh, far side of the field. You've got the kick returners working with uh, Coach Kyle McDonald. The punt returners, though, I noticed something a little different today. Um, number one, it was Jordan Addison and Michael Jackson the third. Mike Jack working with Coach Luke Heward. Uh, Jordan Addison, again, running the drill with, uh, he has the towel wrapped around his waist. Let's see if I can fix this. And he's holding the ends of the towel tight against his chest. So when he receives the ball, technique-wise, everything, hands, keeping it tight. Um, he was receiving the deep punts. but. Have you ever watched a uh, a center fielder with a ball hit over his hand, with a ball hit over his head, um, have to turn around and race for the wall and try and track the ball, get under it, circle under it, and catch it? Well, that's what Mike Jack was doing. He literally was lining up at the line of scrimmage where the ball would be punted from, and he would take like a one Mississippi head start and then start, you know, turn and then run as the ball was being punted. And he would have to kind of circle around to locate the ball, uh, to, I would assume, to fair catch it or to return it. Um, it was just interesting. I, I haven't seen him do that drill before. And he he's one of the faster guys on the team. So to see him doing that, uh, you're wondering what kind of situation they would be running that, that type of drill in. Uh, hey, I remember a time when uh, Michael Pittman was used on a punt return. I don't know if they were practicing for any type of trickeration. Again, it was an interesting drill to watch. I enjoyed it. So we'll keep an eye on that in the future. Also got to watch the uh, 
first, second, third team defense to get their scout team work in against the EA scout offense. Uh, some of the highlights there, you had Kalen Bullock with an interception deep over the middle at the end zone. Makai Blackman probably had the highlight play. He had to come opposite side of uh, where he covers across the field to front of the end zone in the corner, and he reached out just in the nick of time for his pass breakup against Gary Bryant. Again, find me a better uh, wide receiver running scout team offense anywhere in the country. There you and Max Williams also had an interception uh, down the middle of the field. Uh, when the scout work was over, the secondary runs over uh, to their station area, which is kind of where they where the punt return team works. And they they form this. Uh, I'm going to use my analogy basket the basketball analogy here, where they start doing their backpedaling drill. You know, they've got the hands hands and arms pumping, knees high, feet off the ground. And as they uh, pass their coaching staff, you know, they're getting a low five and they're kind of doing a snake zigzag around, you know, for 20 to 30 yards. When the snake finally ends, um, they go into their one-on-one -on -one blocking drill. One guy is the, deep, uh, the defensive back going up against a wide receiver who they're, who's blocking against them. Uh, you know, block laterally for two, three yards. You got to shed your blocker. And then they're running over, racing to dive the that big donut, that padded donut that you dive through and, and tackle to the ground. Um, what was interesting about that drill, I also noticed that um, Zion Branch was looked like he was a full participant, all padded up, wearing uh, the Cardinal jersey, gold pants, full pads, and helmet. When the team is traveling, the defense wears the Cardinal. The offense wears the uh, travel whites. So it's kind of wondering, you know, we've been told that Zion Branch will be redshirting this year, but watching practice, you would never know. And you would never know that he's a freshman. He looks like a junior, and he is physically developed. That family's got some good, good, good genes. As a, if you're not aware by now, his, uh, his uncle, uh, Uncle Calvin, played in the NFL. So, um, or excuse me, Uncle Cliff played in the uh, NFL Hall of Famer, Cliff Branch. Yeah, good genes. Uh, the linebackers, they were uh, doing some, uh, some, I don't know, I guess we'll call it some angle uh, tackling pursuit drills. You have a guy standing with a ball. He would take off, you know, five yards and then either make a 90-degree cut left or right, and then the linebacker would, you know, take the angle and, wrap up to tackle the ball carrier and the D lineman Russians. I saw them working with a uh, Sean Nua. Uh, They're just full on bullying that uh, the tackle sled. So uh, that's what we get to see during practice um, before we're asked to leave. A lot of good stuff going on in there. Uh, they definitely have their business going. They had this loudspeakers on. Uh, White cycles will be loud. Taylor Mays was in a fighting mood. You know, uh, he's listed on the coaching staff as a student assistant. He had his cleats on, all his ankles all taped up. When the music was going during their skip and stretch, what I refer to, you know, their conditioning uh, before they all split up into position groups, it was kind of funny. Um, <laughs> they were playing NWA's uh, Gangsta Gangsta, and he was kind of shadow boxing, shadow boxing, dancing to to the song and. Uh, Taylor Mays is still in shape. He could play football. 
it was just a, it was funny sight watching him uh, shadow boxing with, with that song going on in the background and the lyrics to the song. If you're familiar with them, uh, it just seemed at the right moment, the right time. The the defense, offense, everybody they're getting built. They're getting their thumbs built up for this game. They're getting ready, and you want to uh, you want to head on over. Have you tried Built Bar? You should. Because they, and if you haven't, you need to try what they're, they're called the Built Bar Puffs. And you're depriving yourselves of one of life's greatest joys. These things are really good. They have a new flavor. They're called the Indulgent Cookie Dough. And they're covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. So let me introduce you to your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs, which have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks. And of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it, plus it's healthy for you. That's kind of cool, right? Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein. Run to Built.com to snag a box for you and the family. It will be the perfect treat, or you can find a really good hiding place and just afford them for yourself. Like all Built Bars, the cookie dough chunk puff is covered in 100% real chocolate. That means they're healthy and tasty. What's great about Built is that all their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body, they tend to absorb that protein much more efficiently, and they also provide tons of health benefits. So you're going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff, whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just need to grab a quick bite. Built is the perfect protein bar, and they have, and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab a, go grab yourself a Built bar. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKEDON15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKEDON15. Okay. So how can uh, Utah beat USC? You know, people are probably saying, well, how can USC beat Utah? They're traveling on the road. Utah's three and a half point favorite, right? Right. We've gone over that already. Um. When we spoke with Raylan Goforth, he said, you know, he brought up Cameron Rising as one of the guys that USC has to prepare for. And what makes him so difficult uh, to tackle, to bring down as a linebacker, quote, he said, from what I've seen on film, uh, is that he carries the ball. It's kind of like he's a running back, and he's right. Uh, he has a tremendous stiff arm uh, that he likes to use. And he's a tremendous runner, but he can also hurt you with his arm. You have to be very careful with him. So, you know, if you remember, if you watched Cam Rising run the ball, he's got that stiff arm that he, he's got that Heisman pose when he uses it. And that means you can't go in high to tackle him. You, you can't let him get into your face with that. You got to get around that arm. You got to tackle him low and bring him to the ground. But he makes it difficult. Uh, last week against UCLA, um, in their loss, I, I want to remind you, he was 23 for 32, passing 287 yards, no touchdowns, and one interception. Uh, however, he did add uh, 59 yards and two rushing touchdowns. So uh, he is a dangerous player. Uh, we saw that last year when they came to L.A. against USC. On the year so far, he is uh, 118 for 171 throwing the ball. That's a 69% completion rate. Uh, he's got 13 touchdowns against three interceptions, but he's also rushed for 248 yards 
uh, on 36 carries for three touchdowns. The other guys on offense, USC uh, has to be concerned about. Uh, you got Tavion Thomas, running back, uh, who last week led the uh, led their team in rushing, 18 carries, 91 yards. Uh, he also leads the team. He also had a touchdown run. Uh, he leads the team on the season, 386 yards on 85 carries, and he's got a total of five touchdowns. Uh, wide receiver Devon Bell. He uh, last week he had six catches for 87 yards, so he was their top target. And on the season, throughout their first games, 27 catches, 356 yards, three touchdowns. Now, we know that uh, his favorite target was lost for the year, tight end Brent, uh, Brent Keithley. Uh, they lost him with a hamstring injury. His replacement, uh, Dalton Kincaid, much bigger tight end. Last week, he had four receptions. On the year, he's got 23 for uh, 324 yards and five touchdowns. He's a load. He's a guy that USC will need to keep track of in this game. Um, obviously, UCLA did a fairly good job holding him to four catches for only 23 yards. So, um, you know, defensively, typically that's where you think, that's where, you know, Utah butters their bread, right? So, again, they lost at UCLA. If I was to tell you, again, if I told you that Utah's offense put up close to 500 yards of offense, 24 points, uh, you would think that they probably won that game, right? Well, not when that defense is giving up close to 600 yards and 42 points. They lost a lot of talent from last year's defense. And... uh it's not, they're not getting the job done. They've got two losses. They just don't look the same. So, you know, the guy, the wise guys in Vegas and the guys who set the line, they got a Utah at home, three and a half point favorites. Maybe they know what's up. We'll see what happens, though, right? Um, but defensively, they still have Clark Phillips the third. Last week in their loss, he collected his fifth interception of the season and his second pick six. So um, he's still there. He's still good. And if you're going to throw in his direction, you better be sure your guy is open. He's going to be playing on Sundays. He's not a guy you want to uh, play around with and give uh, give Utah any extra offensive possessions. Um, other guys on defense that that you got to be uh, uh, familiar with. At least I'll bring their names up. You've got safety, uh, because they've got five other, you know, including Clark Phillips, they've got five guys on that squad who have interceptions this year. That includes safety R.J. Hubert, who has two. Defensive tackle Junior Tafuna, safety Cole Bishop, and a linebacker Karen Reed each have one. And then safety Hubert also leads the team with 39 tackles on the year, two for loss. Uh, last year, their, their guy was Devin Lloyd. He's off to the NFL as well as some other guys who have moved on that have left some holes with this defense. I want to emphasize that. If this game does come down to a field goal, again, they're favored by three and a half. We'll see, we'll see where that line goes as we get closer to the game. Their place kicker, uh, Jordan Noyes, is uh, he's six for seven on the year. 
with a long of 43 yards. Uh, we know that Dennis Lynch last week was perfect three for three. So if uh, USC's offense is performing well and they if their defense performs like they the defense that performed that was there in 2020 when USC uh, last visited Rice Eccles, they're going to win. Because the last time USC was there, again, this well, it was in 2020. It was a COVID year. It was Utah's first game of the season. They had some their own issues with COVID, so their first couple of games got canceled. And that that this was their first game of the year when USC came to town. But it was also cold. It was played at night, and mid to low 30s. But USC won that game. <clears throat> USC was ranked 20th, and they had a defense that had five takeaways, and they shut out Utah in the second half. That thing sounds familiar this year, right? Should. So uh, they won that game 33-17. to 17. Again, I, I reminded, I put in the context, this was Utah's first game, COVID year. There was no crowd there to, to get them all juiced and jacked up. Nevertheless, uh, 10 years later, USC's traveling to Rice-Eccles with a loud crowd, but they are playing that type of defense. They've got, you know, they're plus 14. They lead the country. In takeaways, the next closest team is plus nine. That's Coastal Carolina. USC has 12 interceptions. They know how to take the ball away. So uh, I just mentioned the crowd noise is going to play a factor. Um, there will be a crowd there. So you have three players who are familiar with how loud rice cycles can be. Uh, they played there last year, and they just happened to transfer to USC this year. You have Mackay Blackman from Colorado, Eric Gentry, ASU, and uh, excuse me, Travis Dye from Oregon. <laughs> um, so they were able; they're, they're kind of the conduit to the team right now, explaining to the coaching staff and the players what it's like to play there uh, in front of their crowd. So. We'll see how USC handles it. Today at practice, they rolled out the uh, the loudspeakers and the subwoofers to try and uh, simulate that sound. We'll see. I don't think you can truly simulate rice-eckles. The, those fans are right on top of the players. It'll be interesting. We'll see how who is the more disciplined team in that game. Uh, USC has so far been a pretty disciplined team. Uh, Washington... You know, last week against Washington State, they only had five penalties for 50 yards. Uh, a couple of them were iffy. While the Cougars, who were came into the game the more disciplined of the two teams, they ended up having 11 penalties for 100 yards. Well, Utah on the season, they only have three penalties all year. Hard to believe, but they say it's that's what they say. So we'll see, because uh, that will definitely play a role in that game. Uh, look, oh my gosh, I'm out of time already. We're over our 30-minute mark. I'm going to dive deeper into this game as the, season, as the week goes on because you get locked on USC five times a week. Uh, but I do want to remind you over there, uh, we've, got a, we've got a flash special running on WeRSC.com, $10 for an annual subscription. So you sign up now, you'll be signed up for all that VIP stuff that we do through this time next year in 2023. you got to go get that. 
Before you do that, though, we always ask you to, I always remind you, make Locked on USC your first listen every day because we are free. Then you're going to head on over to wrc.com and you're going to get all that uh, good VIP stuff that I write about, that Eric McKinney, that Scott Schrader, if you want recruiting information, you got to get on over there. Also, I'm going to remind you real quick, I will be on the Locked on Utes podcast this week doing some crosstalk. So until then, until I see you next time, next episode, tomorrow, you know what to do, everyone. And until then, 